begin this morning, I want to thank a lot of you who have been in contact with me. As many of you know, my husband, who was diagnosed with um, appendicitis a couple of weeks ago, is back in the hospital with some complications. And, and we really feel your support and your prayers, and thank you. But I'm telling you this story because yesterday I was there in the room while he was dozing off and on working on my sermon. And, and he looked up at me and opened his eyes and he said, um, so what are you working on? And I said, oh, I'm working on my sermon. And he said, well, what's it about? And I stopped for a second. Now, this guy hasn't eaten in like two and a half weeks. And I said, well, it's funny you would ask. It's about a guy who holds this huge banquet. And he holds up his hand and says, stop, right there. And I thought, oh. And he said, I don't want to hear anything about foods or banquets. And I'm going to hope and pray that you all will get, let me get a little bit further than he did yesterday. So will you pray with me, please? All-knowing God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear whatever message you would have us hear this day. Amen. So as Paul just read, this story is told in two of the Gospels, and they have really different flavors. The version in, the, in Matthew that we didn't read, it's in Matthew 22 if you want to look it up, talks about... It's kind of like an, an action-packed film, kind of like we did, just saw. There's crashes, there's a car chase, and there are even some deaths. Okay, there's not a car chase, but there are deaths. And I thought to myself, I don't think I'm going to go with that one. I don't want to go with the one with the deaths. So I went with the one in Luke. But the one in Matthew also shares with us a few details that I think are interesting. The one in Matthew shares that this was a wedding feast. It wasn't just any banquet. It was a feast at a wedding. And I think that's important. Weddings were really important, as were feasts back in the ancient world. The guest lists, they were always trying to top each other on their guest lists and their invitations. And, and these events would have amazing amounts of food and wine that would be served. They would sometimes last for days. It's sort of not unlike our obsession with weddings today. I was reading on the internet that the average wedding costs $30,000 today. It's about $220 per guest. And we can't get away from weddings on televisions. There are all those programs that, that feature getting married, the, the Bachelor and the Bachelorette. I think it started with those. And, and now there are these ones about say yes to the dress and um, my daughter could probably list them all for you, and I don't know them all. But there's an obsession with it, both in TV shows and reality TV shows. Our media, if a star gets, gets married, they're all over it in the media. Last month, uh, it was, um, I forgot his name, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. They snuck off to France and got married with only their friends and family on the guest list. Very exclusive list there. In 2011, when Prince William married Catherine Middleton, that was an extensive guest list as well. It included foreign dignitaries, leaders of countries, an actor or two. I heard there was a famous soccer player from England who attended, an Olympic athlete from Australia, as well as Sir Elton John. The, ex the guest list was very extravagant. 
And we do hold big events like that, even in the US, lest you say, oh, that happens in Europe. It's not in America. But I think it's similar to our inaugural balls and feasts that go on with that. And who here, if you had an invitation to a presidential inauguration, wouldn't go? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? We would go. Can you imagine turning that down or getting a royal invitation from Prince William and turning that down? I don't think any of us would. It would be just the people watching would be amazing. So we do have a similar obsession to these grand celebrations. But I also wonder, what would Prince William and Catherine Middleton have done if everybody had said no? Or what would the Obamas have done if everybody said, no, we're not going to go to the inauguration, sorry, we're busy? They would have already had the date saved. They would have met with caterers to have everything chosen. They would have had bands hired to play. So what do you do? The parable that we have today said, well, you go out and you find some different guests. You make a new guest list. You choose from not your family and your closest friends and your colleagues, but you go out and you feed anybody you can. You feed those who are on the fringes of society, those who are marginalized, those people you walk by and kind of pretend you don't see, the people you don't really agree with. And if this were a large banquet or a wedding, you can avoid the people you don't want to see. I, I can remember there were a few people at my wedding that my mother insisted I invite that I avoided at my wedding. You can do that at a big event. But I'm picturing more of us probably have dinner parties. And as you're sitting around the table, how do you avoid somebody you don't get along with? There's an intimacy there, a one-on-one, -on -one, and it would make it hard to get away. Just think for a minute, sitting down across from the table from somebody, a colleague you never get along with, or an estranged family member. How about somebody who votes opposite you on every single issue? The conversation at the table would be lively, but maybe not what you were thinking for a dinner party. And our home is one place with this issue, but I think the church is another. Because we also have a table here that we set up at least once a month. We've been doing it more regularly lately. What, what would Kent and Susan and I do if one Sunday none of you showed up? What would we do with these elements? Who would we give them to? Kent was actually supposed to preach this Sunday but we swapped, which I thank him for. I, I have something, I have parents weekend next weekend, so I can't be here. And he'd already printed a title in the bulletin. It was what you see now, y'all come. And I thought, well, I've lived in Austin, Texas for 10 years. I can work with that. I like it. But there's another expression in the South that's a little bit more inclusive than y'all come. It's all y'all come. It's an even broader invitation. And a few weeks ago, as I was thinking about this sermon, I got an email from the Reconciling Ministry Networks of the United Methodist Church. 
And they are checking in with every congregation that is United Methodist and says that they're a reconciling church. They're asking for the statements that the congregation voted on. And they're also checking in to see how inclusive that statement is. Because they want to know how are you just welcoming to the gay and lesbian and homosexual population, or are you including bisexual and transgender people as well? They're asking congregations to update their policy. So with a little digging, with the help of Doug Creed, I don't know if he's, he's not here today, and also of Bob Phoenix, we came up with the, the statement that this congregation voted on was 10 years ago last June. We missed our anniversary, which is a little sad. We could have had a huge feast. Maybe we still can. But I looked at that policy and realized that 10 years ago, you all had already foreseen this. And it was already where the Reconciling Ministry Network wanted us to be. So it was a very proud moment to email that off and say, we're good, we did this. But I immediately began thinking, well, what if they check up on us in another 10 years? What invitations in 10 years are they going to want us to extend that we're not already extending? What will that look like? Who will be on that guest list at that point? They want us to say, not just y'all come, but all y'all come. So are we ready to reach out to some folks that we're not reaching already? Some of our renters in this building who come each week, and they bring lots of people into the building, and those people aren't here. Is there a way to welcome them? Is there a way to reach out to the people we serve through jobs, not jails, or Sunday's bread? Or on Thanksgiving Day, when so many people gather for this meal? Do the people who go to Thrifty Threads and shop for clothes think of this as a store or a house of worship? In 10 years, will we be ready to say, y'all come to somebody who spent time in jail or to somebody who is openly polyamorous? Who should we be preparing ourselves to extend an invitation out into the world to? You know, maybe the problem, though, is in making this guest list to begin with. Maybe when we make a list of people who are invited, maybe we're automatically excluding other people. So maybe what Jesus was trying to say was don't make a guest list. Just invite people in your door. Every time we celebrate communion, Kent and I say, this is not an American Baptist table. It's not a United Church of Christ table. It's not a United Methodist table. It's God's table. And everybody is welcome here. And I believe that so deep down in my soul that that is what this is. That this is God's table. And because I believe that, I believe we can prepare ourselves to extend that open invitation. To gather around here without a guest list at all. And we'll say, all y'all, come. Amen.
We will not be celebrating communion during the worship service itself. However, directly after worship, if you would like to receive communion, we will invite you to come up to this table, and Lisa and I will gladly serve you. We invite all the rest of you to make some room up here, perhaps uh, exit through these opening pews, that we can have room to serve communion individually. All are welcome at this table, whether you believe a little or you believe a lot. I'd invite us to stretch our soul's imaginations beyond these walls and these windows that we might pray together for the world. I'll invite you to think of any prayer requests that you have that you want to say aloud into the room, whether personal or global in any sense, to have a time for that. Let us pray together for our joys and concerns across the world. We pray this morning for Neil Hilt, for successful heart surgery and recovery, and for his loving family and friends surrounding and supporting him in Myrtle Beach. For baby Chloe Collier and her family, her parents Jordan and Margaret and her grandmother Deborah, as she continues to recover and get stronger at Children's Hospital. For all those that we know in our midst and beyond this community who are working and looking for jobs and housing. We pray for our pilgrims today who are at the People's Climate March in New York City. May you empower us and expand our imagination and our will to be good stewards of this garden. We continue to pray for Jim Strauss as he recovers from appendicitis for good care. For Sylvia Patricia Schramm's sister as she continues to recover from surgery and treatment. And we pray this morning for all war-torn places in the world, especially for the children. And we pray for those who have lost their lives in service. from Suffolk, Virginia, Major Michael J. Donahue from Columbus, Ohio, Stephen Bias, 39, a civilian from Reynoldsburg, Ohio, and Sergeant Raffel Selibudski, age 39, who is a member of the Polish Army. We pray for all who work for peace and justice and freedom who put themselves in harm's way to help and to bring more of your reign, O God, however peaceful we can make it on this earth. I invite us to say aloud any prayers of joy or concern that you bring with you this morning. God, it is with joy this morning that we welcome Tristan and Alexandra into our midst, into this community. May we help them to grow and nurture them and their families in the faith that we all share. We pray all these things for those things spoken and those unspoken. And one thing more, as Jesus taught us, we are now bold to pray together. 
our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Good morning. I've been coming to UP for about exactly 13 years now. And when I first came, I sat in a middle pew and, uh, but had the mentality of what I've heard is termed a backbencher, which is someone I came to the Sunday service, uh, listened to that, and then returned home. And it took about a couple of years before I finally started to get involved in the life of UP. And one of my first forays was to become one of the youth teachers in the Journey to Adulthood class. And now this class was the group that went in 2007 on their pilgrimage to Arizona. And I see Nicole, one of our uh, pilgrims with me today. Um, we spent the week traveling around Arizona and two of the perhaps most meaningful days were spent as guests by the Navajo people on their reservation. Now, if you don't know, the Navajo reservation is very large. And it's mostly in Arizona, but it does extend actually into parts of the Four Corner states. And it's so big, in fact, that the Hopi reservation, another reservation, sits entirely within 
the Navajo Reservation. Now, we stayed on a very small part just outside of Flagstaff. And we were warned going in that the uh, lifestyle we were going to see was very different than what we're used to and that these are some of the poorest people in the country. But they were very happy to see us and our main goal was to do some service projects for them and this included basic things like we repaired some uh, porch stairs, we hung some drywall which is actually not as difficult as it might sound. Uh, if I could do it, um, anyone can. And we, we picked rocks and weeds out of some crops, that kind of thing. Now the people were very appreciative of what we'd done. And on the second night there, the evening of the second day, as they were starting, one of our hosts was starting to prepare dinner, all these cars started pulling up. And people were getting out, the elderly people, young people, parents with family. And these were the extended family of the people we worked with. And we had never seen them before, but they were coming bringing meals, bringing food to contribute for a big celebration that night. And now to this day, I still don't know if they came because they were appreciative of the work we did, which is a very heartwarming thought, or maybe this was just something that they did as a big, huge family on a regular basis. And that's equally as heartwarming to see. But it reminded me, uh, when I look back at this trip and this two days and this feast, uh, in, in uh, particular, it reminded me of why I love United Parish. And I have an extended family here, this church family. And we come from all over the place, and we have different means and different abilities. But the time and the talent, and yes, the treasure that we contribute helps sustain and nourish this church. And being a part of this family, for now 13 years has what is what has transformed me from being a middle pew sitter with a backbench mentality into a middle pew sitter still but a front bench mentality the morning offering will now be collected
Let us pray together. Loving God, we give thanks for these gifts and the hard work and the careful planning that they represent. Bless them, we ask you, that we may use them well, that we may create and sustain the building blocks of your heaven here on earth with our lives and with our resources. And let the people say, Amen. Amen. As you go, I remind you of some of the inserts you were given, a letter from our moderator, also ways that God is working in our midst. Particularly this afternoon, you are all invited to an orientation about a faith class that Mike McConnell and I will be leading in October and November. I sent you an email about it this week. You can also join us in the chapel for coffee hour, or those who wish to receive communion, come down front and join Lisa and me. There will be childcare for the orientation today for anyone who needs it as well, for elementary age kids and younger. And now will you receive this blessing, will you go forth looking for ways to extend your guest list, to open your home, to open this home to others. Go in peace to serve God and neighbor. Amen. <laughs>